For those of you who have been here before on Senior Recognition Sunday, you know that I rarely don't take the opportunity to speak in front of as many people as I possibly can. Uh, and you might have noticed that this morning I didn't say anything kind of to the graduates or kind of give some sort of charge or send off. Well, the idea behind that was that I was going to be preaching this morning. And so I decided to take this time up at the pulpit this morning to really focus on a message that is not just for graduates. So if you're sitting here going, well, I'm a different kind of senior, this doesn't apply to me, don't check out yet, okay? But I wanted to give a message that would apply not just to everyone here, but specifically to the seniors as well. And, um, you know, I had the privilege last week, I think many of you in here know this, uh, my, my dad is retiring from both of his jobs. He's been an elementary school teacher uh, for basically my whole life. And he's also served uh, as music minister at First Baptist Church of Noble, Oklahoma for about 15 years. And he's retiring from both of those jobs uh, this week, actually. Um, and so last week we got to, Haley and I got to take the kids and go visit my parents, visit the church that I grew up in, and uh, honor my dad on his retirement from that. And the cool thing about that was that I actually got to preach in the church I grew up in, which was something I had never done before. And Haley was asking me the morning of, she was like, are you nervous? I was like, Haley, this is my job. Like, I don't get nervous to get up in front of people and, and talk about God's word. It's just kind of what I do. And uh, so I was, you know, totally in the zone and everything. I walk up there and I step up to the pulpit and I look out and I see like the people that I grew up with. Like I saw my high school friends. I saw the, the deacons that mentored me as a young kid in my church. And I'm standing up on the stage of the church I grew up in. And I kind of like had a moment where I just froze. And um, I wasn't necessarily nervous, but it was just a different feeling. And um, I, got to, I got to preach a, a very similar message to what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning um, about my dad and kind of the legacy that he left um, at First Baptist Noble. And so uh, this morning, what I want to talk to you guys about is this idea of leaving a legacy behind us. And, um, you know, whenever I look at what it means to leave a legacy. I mean, we can think of a lot of things. We can think about leaving, you know, maybe a, a moral legacy. You know, this idea of like, oh, I, you know, I made sure that my kids, my grandkids were good people. Uh, maybe we set, we leave a financial legacy. We, you know, we prepare uh, a, a mass of wealth to pass on to our kids and their kids. And, you know, we leave a legacy that way. But what I really think is the most important thing for the life of any believer is that they leave behind a godly legacy. And so we're going to talk about exactly what that means this morning. But whenever I think about the idea of leaving a godly legacy, I think that Christians really fall into one of three categories when it comes to this. So the first one is people who actually don't care about the legacy they leave. And I'm not saying that about anyone in here. I'm just saying that I think these people are out there, that these people may say they care and they may even do things to indicate that they care about leaving some sort of legacy behind. But in reality, they only care about their social church image or their selfish desires or intentions about the way that they desire for the church to be uh, uh, run and... and portrayed. Now, honestly, when I look at these types of people, <clears throat> they are people who 
I think are really dangerous in the church because they really seem like they care about the church and about God's kingdom, but in reality, all they really care about is themselves. And, and it, it, you can ask any of the youth in here, and over the last few weeks, we've been walking through a series uh, called Big Church, Little You, and... Um, We've really been looking at this idea of being selfless with our service and our mentality towards the church. And so this, this idea of, of being selfless in and of the body of church has really been something that's been near and dear to my heart recently as we've been walking through that series. But I would just caution you to be very aware of these people and guard our hearts from becoming these types of people who, who care more about fulfilling their own selfish wishes than serving to God's glory. Now, the second type of person is one who cares a lot about leaving a godly legacy, but is really kind of failing to do so. Now, I feel honestly, and it's hard for me to say this, but I feel that it's true, and so I have to say what I believe up here, uh, but I feel that most Christians today fall into this category where we understand the importance of representing God, but our lives fail to do it to the level in which God desires of us. I think the best way to gauge this, if you were to ask people close to you, and, and you would probably have to like qualify like, I'm not going to read this, write you know, your true opinions of me, but if you were asked someone to write a few sentences about you, what would they write? And after reflecting, if they would come up with things like, they were a great person, they were a really nice person, they were really funny, they were super, super friendly, etc., then your life probably isn't leading the gospel-centered legacy that we should desire to lead as Christians. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel like you may fall into this category, if you've kind of been hearing this, and I know I haven't said the third one yet, but if you're feeling, man, that really kind of describes me. I'm, I'm someone who I understand the importance of living a, leaving a Christ-centered legacy, but maybe I'm not living my life the way I should then you really need to take this message to heart this morning and work to leave a more godly legacy, not just for those in your family or your loved ones, but for those in your church body. Because believe it or not, you've got kids up here, you've got teens, you've got young adults who are looking to the older generations to be the model, to leave the legacy within the church behind them. So you need to be very careful if you're falling into that group this morning. And the last group are people who understand the importance of leaving a godly legacy and are doing such. Now these people, when you're asked to describe them, or if they did that same exercise where they asked someone to describe them in a few sentences, they would have things that were surrounded by their Christianity. They, you know, they were a good uh, witness for Christ. They were very godly in the way that they lived their life. Everything they did and said was focused on their faith in God and advancing his gospel in the way that God calls us to. Their defining characteristics would be surrounded by their devotion to God's kingdom. And I, I've been very blessed in my life to be surrounded by a number of these people in my life. And I think one that comes to mind very quickly is my, my dad's dad, my, my papa. And, and he sadly passed away four or five years ago. I'm trying to remember now. But um, what was really neat, though, was at his funeral service, uh, we were able to, between my dad and me, 
And then my uncle, my dad's younger brother, who is a, a, a pastor as well in Kansas City, between the three of us, we were able to completely do his service without the assistance of anyone outside. And you want to talk about, like, that may seem like a, a small or a weird thing or like, oh, anybody could lead a funeral service. But for the three people who are involved in your service to be your direct relatives, your sons and your grandson, and them all to be ministers of the gospel, to me, made a big statement about the godly legacy that my grandfather left behind. But I've been, I've been very blessed to be surrounded by a number of these people in my life. And it's very easy to identify these people in your life. And it's also easy to identify them from an outside perspective because they're that, that quintessential person that when someone who's not a Christian looks at them and goes, you know, there's something different about them. And I may not be able to put my finger on exactly what it is, but there's something different about that person. Because you see, when we live a life centered on God and his kingdom, we are the light in a world of darkness and a light in the darkness stands out. If you never had a concept of what light was, you lived your entire life in darkness. When you saw light, you'd be like, I don't understand what that is, but there's something different about it. And we need to be that light in this world. So this morning, I wanna look at what the backbone of a good godly legacy is. Kind of what is the defining trait or characteristic of the people who leave the best legacies. And so if you're sitting here this morning, especially if you're a senior and you know, many of you are going to the, the armed forces, some of you are going to college, some are going to tech school. We've got lots of different avenues that these kids are following, but we need to stay focused on centering our life and our legacy around God. And, and you would have seen, I handed them a book this morning. And, um, you know, in the past I've done different fun gifts or like survival, adult survival packs, or I've done books in the past, but this year I decided to do something different. And, and if they look at these books at all, they'll see that it's not just a book, it's a devotional book, which may be just a book to some people, but to me it's a bunch of short books, basically, it's one to two page devotionals. And my thought process in this was, you know, I can buy these kids books, but how many of them realistically, and no judgment here because I probably wouldn't do it, would actually sit down and read that book in its, entire, it's in entirety. And I would say that would be very few, if any of them at all. But then I thought to myself, what if I got them something that even if they don't sit down and read every single page of it, when they've got something in their life that's going on, when they're feeling torn by something, they can go to this book and they can open it up and they can have just very quickly one to two pages of God's word influencing and affecting their life and their decisions and help them to stay focused on this idea we're gonna look at this morning of leaving a legacy. So I wanna look at a passage in Joshua 4. And I remember... Um, I actually remember, I think it was when Aaron was walking through his Joshua series. Um, uh, gosh, how long ago was that now? I'm getting old. Um, but he was walking through his Joshua series, that was the last year. And um, he talked about the idea of the Israelites crossing the Jordan 
into the promised land. And, and it was something that I had read before and I had heard before, but I hadn't really ever thought about how the Israelites' time in the wilderness was kind of bookended by these two monumental crossings, the crossing of the Red Sea and the exodus of Egypt and the crossing of the Jordan into the promised land. And, and I'd never really thought about how the crossing of the Jordan was just as if not more miraculous than the crossing of the Red Sea because that story is, you know, the most well-known story of the Exodus. But if we look at the backstory of crossing the Jordan, I mean, I think a lot of us would probably think about, you know, crossing a major river in this area. Let's just say, for example, I don't even know where the Arkansas River runs in the state of Arkansas, but it runs all over the state of Oklahoma, which is super confusing. But I'd imagine crossing the Arkansas River in and around the Tulsa area of Oklahoma, and I mean, it's a big river. Like, it's pretty wide. doesn't seem to be very deep because a lot of times they, uh, it, you know, we're in drought and it'll get really low and stuff like that. But I remember it, this was a few years ago when Haley and I were living uh, in the Tulsa area and we just had just torrential flooding rains for days. And we knew many people who lived in our town that we lived in who lost their homes to the flooding of the Arkansas River. And I remember one day, and, and I remember that was, that was the year that I learned exactly how many, like, how many gallons were in, like, a, how many gallons a dam could release in one day and stuff, because they were talking about that all the time. But I remember one day driving over the Arkansas River that was normally a hundred or so feet below an overpass and would have, you know, spotchy, splotchy sandbars throughout it because it was so low. And this, the river was almost all the way up to the overpass. And it was rushing so fast because of all the water they were having to release out of Keystone Lake that was rushing through that river. And it really kind of put this idea of what a truly powerful river looked like into perspective. Realizing that that river at that moment right there was approximately 100 feet deep because I knew where the bottom was because I'd seen it a million times as I've driven over this overpass. And to realize that it had come up to where were truly the banks of this river. And these banks were not just like the, the, what looked like a seashore, you know, where you could just walk out on sand and right to the water. It was like almost like cliff sides down to where the river was. And I imagine that this is the sort of scenario that the Israelites were walking up to. They come to the edge of the, the Jordan River and they're looking down this cliffside that leads down to the water and they're thinking, how in the world are we going to get not only ourselves but all of our cattle, all of our property and everything down there? And even if we do get down there, how in the world are we going to cross this rushing river? And this is exactly where we are in this story. So we start in Joshua 4, in verse 1, and it says, When the whole nation... Oh, so they, they, they... Okay, sorry. Let me pick up. I forgot one part. So they get down there, and God tells the, the, the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant out into the river. And so these priests are the people who are holding the ark, and they have to be the ones to take the first step into this rushing river to see it part. It wasn't like where God parted it and they walked out on dry. No, they had to step into the rushing river to get to the middle 
where God would provide. And so they do this, and by faith, they step out into this river with the Ark of the Covenant, and the river is split, and they cross. And so we pick up in chapter 4, and it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among, among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at a place where you, stay, where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now God asked them to do this physical legacy, okay? If you want to look at it like that, this is a legacy that the Israelites are leaving after they cross the Jordan, and this is a physical legacy. They are taking rocks, they are carrying them, and they are building probably what was a much more impressive monument than what you see on the screen today, but that was just a cool image. Um, and they built this physical legacy to remind them of God's faithfulness to not only his property, the Ark of the Covenant, but to God's people that he allowed them to cross. But the reality in this is a reminder of the faith that the Israelites had in God to cross not only the Red Sea, not only the wilderness, but to cross the Jordan here. It was a reminder, a legacy of all the things that the Israelites had been through. And you think about, we talked about the, the, the perilous descent to the river and then just take that first step into the river. The faith that the priests had to make that step. They put themselves in a perilous situation trusting that God would provide within his promise, his covenant that he made with them. And if you think that that covenant was cool, that, that promise that God made to them, you should check out the new covenant that God gives us in the New Testament. We have a new covenant with God through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And God tells us that while this metaphorical river, whatever metaphorical river is roaring in front of us, whatever that is, God tells us that when life gets tough, when we go through spiritual battles, or when, we, when, we, when standing up for Christ seems like it is impossible, that our faith is in God's covenant is what will allow us to leave a godly legacy. You see, the, the first type of Christian we talked about, the one that was just consumed with what they wanted and their selfish desires, they don't have a faith in God and his covenant. They have a faith in themselves and their thoughts and their opinions. They think that the best thing, the best way to do things are how they want things done. But they won't leave a godly legacy because their true faith isn't in God. The second type of person we talked about puts their faith in things of this world, caring more about fitting in or doing what people ask rather than what God asks. But they too won't leave a godly legacy because their true faith is not in God, it's in the world. 
If we truly want to be this third type of person I talked about, one that, that genuinely cares about leaving a godly legacy and succeeds in leaving this godly legacy, we have to have the boldness to ignore our desires and ignore the desires of others around us <clears throat> and we have to be willing to take that first step into the Jordan, placing our sole trust in God and his covenant alone. If you question me on this, or if you think that maybe the faith in God isn't the back, like I can still leave a legacy without a faith in God, I want to I just point you to a chapter in the Bible in Hebrews 11 known as the Hall of Faith. <clears throat> and if you look at that chapter, you will see story after story, name after name of biblical legends, if you will, biblical heroes who left massive legacies behind them. And if you read these accounts, every single one of them starts with, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Jacob, by faith, whoever you want to put in there that's a biblical hero listed in Hebrews 11, almost every single one of them starts with by faith and name. Hebrews 11 points to the fact that leaving a godly legacy behind you to be remembered for your, your relationship and your understanding of who God is and serving his kingdom is solely based on your faith in him alone. It's not a coincidence that these same people who had great faith left godly legacies. So the question we must ask ourselves this morning is if you were to truly self-evaluate, where do you place your faith? And if you, if you inspect your heart and you find even the tiniest portion of it that is placing your faith in things of this world, in your job, in your desires, in your wants, in other people's opinions or their things they ask you of. If you find even the tiniest piece that is not solely devoted to your faith in God alone, it's time to make that right this morning and start living your life on a mission to leave a legacy that God has called you to lead. And this isn't just some motivational speech that we go, yeah, that's great, and we leave out of here, and then we go right back to the way the things were, because I know, myself included, every single person in here has a tiny piece of their heart that isn't solely devoted to God. So what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is, I'm going to pray for us here in just a second to close this service, and, and I want to... I want you to not listen to the prayer that I say, not just <clears throat> be in silence before God, but I want you to really investigate and examine your heart in that time. Find that part of who you are that is not fully sold out to, to having faith and serving the kingdom of God and figure out what that is so that you can identify it. And I'm not saying that you need to just leave here and boom, it's going to be changed because it's not that simple, but it's going to be a process. But the first piece of that process is identifying the part of your heart that is not sold out to God 
And if you can identify it, then you can start working. I would challenge you to, to share that with someone that you're close to, someone that, that helps you, helps strengthen your faith in God to say, you know what, I've got this part of my life that I can't fully turn over to God and it's, it's holding me back from serving God the way that he's calling me to serve or leaving the legacy he's called me to leave and I need you to help keep me accountable if you see me start to stumble in that. And I know that these are huge things to ask and they're really tough things to ask, but it's what God calls us to do. And if we're here this morning, we should care more about what God wants us to do than anything that we want for ourselves. So examine your heart this morning. See what that peace is that is holding you back from leaving that godly legacy. Let's pray this morning and then we'll have a time of invitation. Examine your heart in this moment. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge of Joshua 4, of leaving a legacy. God, we pray that you would break us this morning, and I know that's not a fun thing, that's not an easy thing, but I pray that you would break every single person in here this morning, that you would show them the parts of their life, the pieces of their heart that aren't sold out to leaving a legacy for you, God. That you would convict them of that, that you would give them the boldness to step out and to find someone to share that with, to help keep them accountable, to help change that part of their heart, God because we know you and you alone have the power to change hearts of stone. God, we love you today. We praise you for what you do for us. I pray that you would help us all to leave this place focused and dedicated to leaving a godly legacy behind us. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.